every day when we go home, right, we as a chef, we will say a big hooray, right? It's always to make sure that the rubbish bin only have plastics and expo and glasses, empty glasses that really needs to be thrown away or not literally nothing that is going to be thrown away. You're listening to Foodie Canteen, a food podcast brought to you by Good Foodie Media. This is your host, Castle Lim. Today, we are so happy to have Chef John from Food Journal Sarawak on the show with us. He's a city boy who's moved to Kuching a few years ago, where he would go foraging in the forest for a casual dining restaurant. Here's his story. Hi, Chef John. Welcome to the show. Hi, Kathleen. Nice to meet you. I'm so glad you made some time to be here. It's your day off and we have some time to talk about your story. Yeah. Always, always love to share. For people who's, who's never been to Sarawak, that's what I do in the beginning of the show for this season. Can you tell us what is Sarawak like and how is life over there? Sarawak is a state where it's uh, full with a lot of uh, culture, bound with a lot of culture, a lot of uh, local ethnic that actually uh, brings the country a little bit, uh, brings the state a little bit uh, more harmony. Yeah. And uh, Sarawak is a place where there's a lot of, um, a lot of things that needs to be discovered. You you were born uh, and raised in KL, but then you moved to Kuching. How many years has it been now? Um, I've been in Kuching for four years now. Yeah, four years. I'm living here. Yeah, living here a lot. So you are not a city kind of person, you say? Um, equal because I've been uh, I've been in the city. I'm I'm born and raised in KL, but uh, been I've been in Singapore most of my years. So basically, always been in the city, but coming back to Sarawak is uh, is a place where definitely it's very slow pace, but then I really enjoy because of the people, yeah, because of the people, because of everything. Everything here seems to seems to give me the so much love, you know, yeah. I ask this question to all my guests, but what are some local foods our listeners should try if they ever visit Sarawak? Oh. That's a lot, um, but um, I will name three three things that I in particular three three dishes that in particular that I like on the street. One is uh, our panso ayam panso. Um, secondly, is definitely the, the laksa, and then uh, some things that I always eat on the go is always kompia. It's actually a very hakka dish that uh, is a braised meat that is a uh, put in the center of a bun, then just bite. It's actually a fried bun. Yeah. Wow, they all sound oh. so good. And then, and also, uh, uh, one of the desserts is called linut, or you can call it tapai. Uh, there's linut and tapai. Linut is basically uh, glutinous. Uh, it can be uh, savory. It can also be sweet. That uh, If it's savory, it's actually eaten with uh, sambal blachan, with fish, fishes, yeah, that's savory. And then or dessert, you can actually put a uh, corn puree, uh, aloe veras and stuff like that. Then you eat together. 
So tapa is actually fermented rice that is uh, steamed and then after that uh, covered up with uh, this, uh, what's it called already? Just these leaves that you eat. The Malays, they always like wrap it up in a ketupat that leaves. So what you do is uh, this rice is actually in this glutinous rice is actually wrapped in this ketupat leaf and then after that they steam it and then you just eat it like that on, during breakfast. Yeah, it's really, really nice. Wow, all these things yeah. I've never heard before because I mean, I grew up in Kedah, spent most of my time in Penang and then now I'm in KL and I've never come across any of these dishes that you just mentioned. Yeah, wow, it's, it's because the people that uh, share, yeah. yeah, it's really good, really, really good. Mm. Yeah. And before moving to Sarawak to work for Roots, um, like you said, you've spent a lot of your time in KL, Singapore and even worked in several hotels like Shangri-La Hotel. Um, can you tell us your experience there? Like, how was it? Um, lot of joy. Lot of joy. Uh, it's been an event adventure. Um, uh, yeah, Kel, Kel's, we, we started from Kel first. Kel has been great. Uh, that's where my stepping stone is. Uh, met a lot of different uh, chef mentors who actually guided guiding me to the right direction. Uh, moving to Singapore has equally uh, been very, I say equal, equal, equal as what KL has gave me. It's just that you need to work extremely harder in Singapore because it's it's, it's basically a, a country where where opportunities lies everywhere. So it's it's really. Yeah, it's really it's been a, it's been a really good adventure for me uh, in this industry, in, especially uh, in the chef industry. Yeah, and, and uh, I, I equally learn a lot. Equally learn a lot. Yeah, that's pretty what are, much. What are some of the vivid memories that stood out to you that really, um, I don't know, helps you to remember and brings you on to the next chapter in Sarawak? Um, basically working aboard. Like like, but working in Singapore, um, working with different uh chefs, mentors, they they equally taught you the techniques and what is and what's not. But again, um, basically you work working with uh chefs, uh, that is from different part of the country. They definitely have something that in them that they they love using in terms of ingredients, and that's where when um I decided coming back to Sarawak. Um, one of the things that uh, actually I paved with it's uh, all these ingredients like truffles and Japanese ingredients and what 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 you can like all those important ingredients is somewhere I paved with with and then I told myself like you know coming back to Sarawak what is the main uh, motive and which direction I want to go to and then um, yeah that's pretty much like coming back to Sarawak thinking of using more local produce, create using the techniques that I came across. Uh, that's, yeah, it's pretty much. So for Food Journal, you guys own a few like F&B outlets. Can you tell us more about the group? How many restaurants you guess you guys have under? Um, in Food Journal, we have uh, in total of uh, two cafes, uh, one modern Chinese restaurant uh, and Roots, as well as a bar. So that's actually um, five, five under one roof. 
So yeah. you are an exec chef for them and you run all the menus and the planning? Yeah, I run the menus, the plannings, and uh, of course, um, of course, uh, my baby is still Roots, lah. I'd say, yeah. It's really interesting because at Roots, you don't only source your ingredients from suppliers, but you, you yourself actually go on foraging trips. Um, tell us about these trips, like who are these people that you meet and like some of the ingredients that you've come across in the forest. Okay, so... So it started out where when I first came back to Sarawak, um, my my mom is the one that actually helped me at first to start growing things um, from our backyard, and that's where after that using mom's uh raw uh organic uh plants to create dishes, and then after that I expand even further. Is to look for is to of course definitely um, be for me as a chef. I always go to the market in the morning, so um, to visit the vendors. It's where we build the connections and friendship, and then from there on, um, for me is to uh, frequently ask questions, and then the questions comes to become interesting, and then people tend to feel like. Well, why why asking me so much question, uh, so many questions? And I think I should show you more about what we what we grow. Maybe it interests you, and then we and then I kind of like uh, build a small community around the around the people in the market, and then uh, these people will will tend to lead me to places, maybe about forty minutes drive to places where I can uh, forage for ingredients that can help me and imp- improve me in ways to think about how I want to create dishes with all these raw ingredients. Many can be indigenous, so we we tend to bring all these indigenous ingredients to the kitchen, break down, and then see what we can create from time to time. Is it common for restaurants in Kuching to do that? Um, there there isn't. There isn't many, but again, um, that's where I felt like um, you you need to, because Sarawak has so rich in terms of ingredients. So um, I believe that a lot of uh, a lot of locals here, they also like to use that local ingredients to bring up flavors. So uh, for us is, we, we go even further. We want to take the risk, go even further and try to do whatever we could Sometimes we might fail, but again, I think failure is always the joy, because if you don't fail, you never know um where you want to de- where when is the what what's the next flavor you want to develop in your next menu again. So fail, uh, means that you bring back these ingredients and it doesn't work according to menu and it tastes like yes bad. But in terms of that, uh, we also uh we also record flavors. Yeah. So maybe the next menu or the, the menu after, you know, in a year time, we will think like, why not bring these ingredients back, smoke it instead of cooking inside the pot? Why not smoke this, you know, to bring that ele- that flavor element into that dish. So what are some of these ingredients? Um, Is this the one that we don't see in, I don't know, Tesco, Lotus, Jar Grocer? Oh, that's, that's a lot. That's a lot. Uh, but... One in particular, uh, there's actually uh, three in particular that I like. Uh, one is called tapus. It's actually uh, very commonly cooked in a stew. 
it has this aromatic that special aromatic is in between lemongrass uh, lemongrass is it lemongrass and ginger flower in between then you have this very mellow flavor so it's like a plant yes it's a plant it's actually like a root yeah so if it's you a... say this is like indigenous ingredients who named them the local people yes right so it, it just they just name it and then you call it from then on yes and then there's this uh sour brinjal it's round and yellow and this is also uh cooked inside your soup that's actually that actually bring out sour flavor so instead of using your asam jawa or your limau nipis you actually the you can consume raw vegetables that is equivalent as sour and fruity in the soup yeah so in local here they always like to use this uh, terong asam to make in the soup with uh, anchovies with a bit of uh, aromatic vegetables and then voila that's where you get your good bowl of sour savory soup yeah so uh there's this uh vegetable that is can be related to an avocado so it's called enkala so it's very versatile very uh pure flavor it has yes yes uh it, it just it's just uh, as close as an avocado in terms of fats yeah so what we what i do with uh ankala it's either i mean into a puree or you can always uh replicate into something like a guacamole kind of thing yeah so these are the three vegetables that uh i would say that i i, I love working with tell me about the local villagers that you meet like so they are just open to showing you around and um, walking into their garden or farm where they plant these things and they name these ingredients themselves. Like they are very open to welcoming you. Uh, of course, uh, at, at first people will be very, very, um, very, very scared. You know, who is this? Who is this boy? You know, keep coming, asking questions like most every, every week, every three or four times, you know, people out of curiosity, people were like, wow, why this boy? Uh? Keep asking questions. But again, you know, there's this thing like, if you don't, if you don't try asking, you will never get that information. That but you, you need. also met them because uh, the people at the market brought you to these people. No, no, no. I, I, I'm random. I'm, I'm so a you're random just person. Driving away from coaching, and then you just. What? So what we do? What I do is I met these people in the market first, and then I tell them, you know, bring me to your kampung, bring me to your kampung. You know, it's maybe, 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 maybe you have something that I need. You know. So they say, you know, okay, we trust you. We set a schedule. Let's let's go, you know. So I'm like, okay, I'll go with you. You know, just bring me, just bring me there, show me around. Yeah. So all the excitement comes after that. So yeah. uh what do they call this group of people? This they are all ethnic uh culture people. So mm -hmm. there's a lot of culture there's there's plenty of culture in in Sarawak yeah different ethnic. so um basically this group of people they are that I know they are the Bidayu people mm -hmm. and some of some of them are the Ibans so um um yeah these people just bring me to their backyard and then uh, show me around and then after that before I come back drive back they'll cook me a dinner and that's that's where um they equally inspired me in flavors as well. And then um, 
every once in a while for my off day off, I will actually uh spend my time in local local plate local places, eat and also gain inspiration from there as well. So I'm I'm really much of a a person who look into local delights. Yeah. And that's where all these uh, flavor memories come in, come together. And that's where, when I go to the kitchen, I can actually um, recall what I had in terms of flavor. And then after that, create in a different way. Yeah. The menu at Roots um, looks amazing. Like watermelon salad, beef rib eye, and like charcoal grilled eggplant. And they are also so uh, plated so intricately as well. How, how do you create? Can you walk us through um, the creative process? I think people, I think the places that I've eaten and the people that I've uh, came across that equally inspired me to do what I do today. So um, basically, um, I always look into very humble ingredients. And then um, growing up in KL, um, eating in place of uh, eating in many places, good places, bad places, um, equally inspired me in terms of flavor. So whenever I I I create a dish in roots, it's always bound to looking into raw and humble ingredients and see how can we uh, accumulate all these um, all these spices and everything that that I know that we can uh, what we can bring into a plate in terms of like let's just say an example like an eggplant an eggplant is basically a very humble ingredient that people you either you like it or you don't but I want Actually, people what do you mean want, when you say humble ingredients like ingredients ingredients that are not so complex or ingredients like a shallot yeah shallot it's a humble ingredient because it's just yeah. plain and tastes as it is. Yes. So it's either you like or you don't like, right? Eggplant. So I want to make sure that everybody likes it. So for me as a chef, it plays a big part is I need to know how to cook an eggplant. So that I want to make sure that I can make sure that everybody who, 40 people who comes into the restaurant, they eat, they will like it. So in a way that, put an example as an eggplant, is to always grill and to bring that grill flavor that grill flavor into it. Everyone likes barbecue, right? Yeah. So I want to bring that barbecue flavor into that eggplant, that the aroma, aromatic flavor. And then after that, brush up with something that people like it in, in, in a way that I want to bring, there's this uh, triangle thing, like, like you, you have to have sweet, you have to have salt, salty, and then it's either a bit of bitterness or sourness. So I always play among these three triangle flavors. And then after that, uh, to bring in these three triangle flavors, the bonus is always the umami, right? So after, after creating these three flavors, I always want to challenge myself. How can I bring umami into the, 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 the last palette, the last flavor palette, the flavor profile. So after that, by doing that is to brush up something that we create like black garlic. That's so umami. And then a bit of tauchu that we always frequently eat with porridge. Yeah. Then we 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 just add a bit of tauchu and black garlic and we make it into a paste and then we brush it on an eggplant. And then uh we caught we had a lot of crabs, crab head, and then crab head has these uh, crab fats. So what we do with this crab fat is we dissect it and then we make it into a sauce like a velouté sauce. 
And then we just cut a bit of mushrooms that is grown locally, just mix it up and then just put it on top of the eggplants, fried a, a bit of leaf. That's it. That's pretty much what we do. I, I love what you say about the triangle. It's like the food trifecta. <laughs> and, and it's funny you mentioned eggplant because when I was younger, I hated eating eggplant like my dad uh, is force yeah. me to eat because we go to this chucha and then they just fry mm. it with like what the black beans or something and it's so soft oh. and soggy and then yeah. i think as kids you just don't like anything that's like it's like saliva-ish and then i think three years ago i went out to chucha again with my friends um and then my friend is like hey we have to order this eggplant dish i'm like no i hate eggplant he's like no <laughs> we have to try this really good they fry it and then yeah. i had it and wow it just changed my perspective of eggplant and now I even eat the soggy yeah, eggplant. You see? It's so delicious. Yeah, yeah I, can, I, I can relate to that because uh, I, I grown up hating eggplants as well, you know. But um, after, after a few years, after a few years, you know, um, having family reunions, you know, back in KL, you know, mom ordered eggplants. I came to like, hey, something that I like, huh? you know. Yeah, so I, I can relate to that. Yeah. Yeah, and I think this is uh, the, what a chef does as well. I was just speaking to this uh, chef as well from Ipo, and he talks about how nowadays people just stir fry everything with oyster sauce and there's no longer creativity or respect for these ingredients. And mm. it is the, your chef's job to be creative and then see what you can do about it other than just um, frying it the way everyone has been doing it. Yeah. So, so yeah, again, we, when we talk about roots, right, um, definitely we all, all we, I have few, uh, a few staff that is under me, working with me. And then definitely uh, some people may not like eggplants as well. So I, like, I told them again, you know, why not we create something that everybody likes it. And then, um, of course, creating a menu in roots is not just me. I think every one of the staff play a big part that brings together what it is, you know, so I'm, I'm always very open to my staff to say, you know, um, let's, let's, let, let me create a dish and then you tell me what is not good and how can we improve from here? And I'm really, really open to that. And then when things is not, that's why I always, uh, when, whenever we cook a sauce, we cook anything in the restaurant, everybody has to come and try it. Yeah, so that's, that's something that if everybody puts their hand up and agree that the thing is good, then we will go with it. Yeah. So yeah, that's pretty much. Let's talk a bit about paella, which I saw on your menu and I, and I love it. I used to um, visit Washington DC in the States and there's this Spanish restaurant that serves really, really good paella. But coming back in Malaysia, I cannot find good ones. It's either too oily or um, there's no burnt crust at the end of the... And there's, there's something called like the sokarat, is it? Yeah. So like, Tell us about the dish. Like, how do you guys create this? I know it's one of the signature at Roots. Walk us through the creation of this menu. Um, this dish is actually, actually um, was actually a dish that uh, is from my, my, the last restaurant that I actually work in in Singapore is Ola. So it's a dish from, uh, I would say, my mentor, Daniel, Daniel Chavez. Uh, and he created this dish that, uh, that struck my mind that why I want to work in his restaurant and somewhere along the way that, you know, I learned, I, when I was, uh, when I was working in this restaurant, um, that's where 
wow, I was so lucky that I was actually standing in the pilot station. I was positioned in, in the in, in the pilot station, you know. So when I was cooking it at the time, there is this um I have this um this excitement to cook this paella every time that I I had I have an order. And uh when when I when when I were to bring this paella back to Sarawak, I asked myself like what the locals like, like in terms of flavor, what can I change from the current where I used to do it back to something that can relate to the locals as well. So again, um, cooking a paella is always with full respect because some things that you don't play around in terms of, because it's, it's something that is, uh, is carried on for many years in Spain, right? So I want to understand the fundamental, the basics first. So to get it right, so to, to, to get the paella done properly and done it right is to always respect the culture first. The, the 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 Spanish culture, so I always make sure that the paella has this seducing crust that is uh, actually called the socarat. So and 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 a paella has to have as to have a mother paste that is actually called a sofrito. So sofrito is actually basic can be done can be can be done in different ways. Some people can put uh, red peppers, but definitely there's always tomatoes and onions in it so mine is very basics but i want to get the basics done really right yeah so it's, uh, tomato onions a uh, good amount of rice that is actually uh tossed heat up with a bit of saffron and then um, a bit of uh, chicken stock or you can also seafood or you can also be replaced with seafood stock depends on what you butcher on that day, the, the remaining bones and everything, you can extract out and make into a stock. Then you can instantly apply to your paella. And that's where we bake it. And then um, just pan searing a bit of uh, fresh seafood that is brought in um, most like every week. Then you just uh, assemble on top of the paella with fresh seafood, good amount of uh, saffron rice, organic uh stocks that is from yeah from bones and all and then after that a few vegetables that come along well listening yeah. to you narrate now i feel like i need to get a paella after this it's been so long <laughs> I don't, i'm just so scared to eat paella in malaysia because i've yeah. tried a few and it's just never been good and i just stopped trying yeah but yeah it's it's uh it's something that um I I'm always very fascinated about cooking, like in in my cooking. So to me, it's always to understand the basics. So my my when I was a when I was a cook, um, I always frequently ask chef a lot of questions in terms, and I I read a lot as well. So some things that I read, I I when I'm when I'm working in a restaurant, I tend to want to ask questions because I'm curious, and I want to know a little bit more. Because I do not want to cook something that, that that is just cooking for the sake of cooking, but I want to cook because I want to understand a little bit more. But first, to understand the culture first, then only you start to to go into the advanced level. Yeah. What is one philosophy you stick to when it comes to creating a dish? Philosophy, belief in belief, just um, belief in belief in what you do. And then uh, trust in the ingredients that you have. Uh. Yeah. 
Let's talk a little bit about sustainability, which we've mentioned in our first call. How do you make sure that you use every part of an ingredient or like a meat that you? So my mom is uh, my mom is a vegetarian. So my my mother in law is a vegetarian. So um, she grows a lot of vegetables in the backyard. So most of the time, um, I see what she grow, and then the remaining things that she have are uh, like eggs and everything that is cracked all cracked open and everything. So she will do her, she always use all this um <clears throat> stuff, and then she make into a compost. And then, um, and then I came came to mind that sometimes there is a lot more things that is very important in our lives that we can actually upcycle. So what we do in a restaurant is to, to understand that sustainability comes in many ways. But again, um, when we buy, uh, when we buy anything like a uh, uh, protein, like, like for instance, shang, lamb shang, that kind of thing, you have all these bones, you know, bones have this uh, gelatin, like there's this, like you, bones have this, like people like it called the marrow. You can call it a lamb marrow or a beef marrow kind of thing. But we always believe that the marrow has tons of gelatins and goodness, you know, that we can make into uh, many things. So when we look about, when we look into buying every raw material, let's just say from vegetables to uh, beef or chickens or anything, we we look into ways that how we want to use everything. So for instance, like let's just say uh, for eggs, for eggs, right? Because the, and that's where my mom decided to grow vegetables at home. And the vegetables that we use in the restaurant very much come from my my mother's farm. And then and then uh the vet and then uh, a small community of people in the market and individual suppliers that help us along the way to supply us like edible flowers and kind to bring up that 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 color in the plate and then um market people who help us with ingredients that in season that I can play around and then after that there's a there's a garden behind our restaurant that we I came across that my mom is doing compost at home why not I do compost in the outside the restaurant that I can also look in ways that I can be also sustain sustainability to grow herbs like dill, thyme, rosemary, a bit of ulams that we need to use. Yeah. Like uh, sorrels, green sorrels. That can. So we grow behind our restaurants and then um, for, for bones and everything, again, stocks, vegetables, no wastage. So um, every day when we go home, right. We as a chef, we will say a big, Hooray, right? It's always to make sure that the rubbish bin only have plastics and expo and glasses, empty glasses that really needs to be thrown away. Or not literally nothing that is going to be thrown away. Unless let's just say for for instance, like garlics that you make into a confit, then we will not use that garlic garlic uh, leaves again. But other than that, we pretty much use everything in the restaurant. That and we call, buy and you call that a successful day yes it is yeah it is so there's a lot more there's a lot going in going in the restaurant that sometimes i think eight hours of our time is really not enough that we really work extra for it i mean yeah. hearing you talk right now i can really hear your passion and you're so proud to be a chef 
um, oh. in Malaysia. I've read um, Anthony Bourdain, David Chang. They talk about how uh, sometimes a chef's life is glamorous. But oftentimes, we all know that oh, yeah. it don't look that pretty. And sometimes in Malaysia, being a chef, I would just hear my friends say, Anna, I just work in a restaurant. Like, they're not proud. I'm just in FMB. But then yeah. uh, you read books like um, David, they share about how they are so, you know, they, they are worshipped in America. Yeah. <laughs> oh. but, definitely, but definitely, yeah, that's, um, I, I can relate to Anthony Bourdain and Dave Chang, yeah. whoever they, they were, they were smashed, they were, they were saying. Yeah. Because um, at first you have to take pride in what you do and you have to be, be very grateful and fortunate that what you have. In terms of uh, coming back to Sarawak, um, I'm really blessed with two owners that actually gave me a chance to do something that I want to do. They believe in my vision because not, not everybody, not everybody will, will believe and, and want to believe in a vision because, you know, to, to, to start up something is always taking a risk. So to me, waking up every day to tell myself how blessed who I am, you know, is, is where I have to strive even harder. Even how hard it is, you know, sometimes where I can tell you three years until today, I'm still, I'm still someone who cooks, but still washing dishes, doing things that needs to be done, closing the kitchen. I, I can tell you like, literally you can spend your, your, your morning till your night, still literally in the kitchen doing the things that means a lot to you. Yeah. And also for the community of people that still support you. And as well as the people in the front of the house still like believe in you, trying to give their best. So when, I, I, when you say I, I vision, much, what is the vision that the founders are supporting? I think the 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 owners are the owners are they 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 just they just you know what they they just, they just tell me like do do what you think is good, and they always give me that that support and that will you know. You just do what you, you felt is good. And for me, is to play, my, my biggest part is definitely to give my best. Lah. Yeah, so never never to give up. So I believe that everything that we do is to always believe that what's around us and equally be grateful that, wow, these young cooks sometimes, yeah, sometimes, you know, you when you, be, when you become a chef, you can be an asshole, you know? Oh, I would I would say that yeah because you have your good days and you have your bad days. But again, uh, I'm grateful that some, I'm grateful that most of my staff that has been working with me has actually been together with me for a long time. Yeah, some people may move on, but again, we have still a, a group of people who still continue striving with me. What are some of the challenges you you face as an exec chef? I. The challenges is I don't I don't really have challenges. I always wow. I always tell myself I always tell myself you know, um, just 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 do what is happy, just do what is happy. Um, inspire others, but equally let other people inspire you as well. So, so I I don't. I'm have sure there's challenges, but I don't think you see them as challenges. But you just you know what? Let's just solve it, do it, enjoy yeah. it, be curious about it, ask questions. That's your approach. Yes. Yeah, but I, I would say that in business wise, definitely um my owners, uh my owners uh my owners are really supportive. La. So um there's a lot there's more there's a lot of small minor challenges 
here and there. But again, um, I've uh, I've support from everyone. I would say that helped me to do what I feel like. You have to give your best, John. You know, every day I told myself, yeah, yeah, self up, um, give yourself some pep talk. <laughs> um, sometimes, yeah. yeah. And how is the market for fine dining in Sarawak? Are people open to spending more on this carefully curated food? Definitely, there's a group of people who are willing to spend for good food. I would say that there's a there is there's there's increasing of people that is uh, willing to spend for good food, and um, I would say <clears throat> sorry, I would say there's one or two um restaurants that are actually doing fine dining now in Kuching. Um, equally happy that um the food hub here is growing. Um. We we equally know that wow, if you want to eat fine dining, there is actually a place. You want to eat uh, uh cafe food, there's cafes. You know, there's 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 growing. You know, I'm equally when I'm back in 2017, um, it's actually uh introduction when when we started when we started we are the earliest one and two of the earliest restaurant that actually started this um more of a high end dining kind of uh. Yeah seen mm-hmm. so back until today 2022 things have the food hub has grown so much you know but again we are we are equally happy i'm equally um so happy about well sarawak has so much to offer people see that well you know when you want to eat all kinds of different kind of uh, food like you want to eat your mala hoko you have a good one, you want to eat street food, you have a good one. You know, now it's like everywhere along the street, you can have good food ready. Yeah. Wow, I'm, I'm so happy to hear. Um, final two questions. What skills do you think are most important when it comes to uh, becoming a chef? I think you going into a kitchen, more importantly is to master up your knife skills. Very, you have to be very approachable. You know, don't be shy, you know, don't be shy because um, if you are shy, you will not learn anything. You have to be very approachable, ask tons and tons of questions. And then again, um, try to try to associate and be more open and be more, be more open in a way that um, get, try to suck up all the negative and positive, you know, and then, um, go back and ask yourself questions, ask yourself tons of questions and see where it goes wrong. And then always write down, like until today, I still write my own journal. You know, I still write my own journal, whether my journal, my handwriting sucks, but (laughs) then whatever whatever I do, whatever I do, you know, I always write a lot. I sometimes advise myself, you know, um, where I need to improve. It doesn't need to be just cooking, you know. It has to be. It has to be yourself when you, when you do something wrong, like having a conversation with people, with your own stuff. You know, sometimes you reflect back. Do you say something wrong or stuff like that? How can you improve? You know, next next conversation, you know. So yeah, that's pretty much. I think kitchen life, you know, always have a journal. My my only advice to cook is always have a journal. Write, write what you what you do, 
yeah, what what's happy today? You know, you definitely have your happy and sad days. Happy and sad in the, in in just eight hours, you definitely have your sad times. And you know, write down. You got you got you got cut by you got, you got cut by a knife. Why why it happens? You know, what's the the next time when you cut something? How can you be more caution? You know about that. So always write down. Always uh go home. Take half an hour, twenty minutes time. Read the book. Read the things that you 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 came across doing mistakes. How you want to be better tomorrow? Yeah, that's pretty much. Any advice for people who are looking to be more creative, um, in creating dishes? I think, uh, most importantly is uh, look in look into the thing like dishes can be created in many ways. It can some people can create uh, a dish where it has a ten flavors in it. It can be so disgusting. <laughs> It can be, it can be, it can be creative in that way yeah, also. Right, but right. it can be, it can be so disgusting in a way also. Yeah. So I always believe that sometimes it's always to understand raw ingredients first. Get to, for me, it's how I see it is always to go to, always to go to market alliance with those people. Have raw bites or bits of ingredients, and then always. Key always save in those flavor profile in your 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 mind. Again, write down, and and then after that, because Malaysia uh, we have a lot of fruits that tends to be uh, has different. Like let's just say for instance, um, star fruit, right? Star fruit you eat in January, right? Doesn't mean that when it comes to June, right? It will be the same flavor. It will be the same sweetness or acid also. So that's why every time you have to key in, you have to understand that every month when you eat something, right, there is why why this flavor and why it has so many acid in here, why it have so many sweetness in here. You have to ask yourself a question. So always like before you create creative dishes, right, is to understand the raw ingredients first, and then again go back to the triangle circle of flavor. Then after that, um, start start manipulating. Uh, start. Bringing all these ingredients, try to cook up something that first, something that you like to eat in your heart, or something that has to do with your childhood, like nostalgia flavor, and then from there on, you only know how to do things that you only know how to cook a dishes that is so creative and and tasteful. But sometimes it can be so easy that you don't need to think so much, but just to to always have that. That memory, that flavor memory of your childhood. Sometimes one pot cooking can actually give you that that harmonious flavor that actually when you put inside the restaurant, it becomes so good. You get what I mean? Yeah. So that's why whenever when young chef, when we have this uh, Saturday night project, right, that we actually uh, copied from Norma restaurant in Denmark, right, it's where um chefs individual chef will cook something and our our cut all these raw herbs, fruits, everything I put in, I assemble in an insert, like a square insert. I said, you know what? Um, I'll pick you. And then today you really have nothing much to do. I want you to create a dishes. And I told them that sometimes, sometimes one of your cook can suddenly cook one pot of, I don't know, it can be a porridge with chicken or down, down ubi, that kind of thing. But it can be so tasteful. It's because the 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 amount of time that he actually cooked the chicken inside the congee, the porridge, that brings up that pure, uh, savory flavor, 
and then it gives you a bit of vegetables to bite in and then a bit of uh you know vegetables like salted vegetables in it that can be so equally complex but again so tasteful yeah so i think creative dishes is all about understanding the basics or discover the local the the raw material ingredients first then only you decided that nostalgia flavor raw material becomes your your good food and creative flavors lah Chef John, am I, no, am I saying it right? No, it's so good. Um, I just want to thank you for sharing your perspective. Uh, you are very, very passionate when it comes to ingredients and really putting your heart into cooking. Um, I really like also what you said about challenges, the way you view it, uh, view challenges. Because a lot of times I ask my guests, what are the challenges? And then they would just tell me the challenges they're facing. But for you, it's like, no, there's no challenges, but it's not that there's no challenges, but just that you have a different perspective. Like I'm going to ask questions. I'm going to be curious and I'm going to solve it. Um, yeah. And I just want to thank you for sharing your story today. Yeah. But, but last but not least, I would say that every day um, we go into the kitchen, right? When we work, right? There's tons of things that you need to solve. If, if I, I always strongly believe that if you go into a rest, if you work in a restaurant or either in a hotel, whether you're in an FMB or, you know, there is uh there is thing to solve. But if there is th- if there is a single day that there is nothing to solve, right? Means there is a problem. I always strongly believe. So so whenever I go into the kitchen, I'm I'm a I'm an I'm an OCD. I'm an OCD. So when 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 whenever I talk to somebody, I have this this thing that you know I always will look every part like side. Even though I'm having a conversation with you, I, I know that. Uh, what I need to answer from your your questions, but again, I'm always looking left and right and see if the if things are not right. How am I? What am I going to do after this conversation? Or I would say, you know, can I stop this conversation? Can I rearrange this thing first? Then I come back to you in the conversation again. So I'm I'm really an OCD. People will say like, why? You know, but again, I want things to be a bit more, you know, in a in a proper way and perfect. You know. Yeah, but there's always imperfection, but I always like want to solve every little problem every day so that, you know, things will be better. You have just listened to Foodie Canteen. This show is produced by me, your host, Castle Lim, and co-written by Sulin Chang. Foodie Canteen Podcast is made possible by the amazing team at Good Foodie Media. Check us out on Instagram and YouTube at Foodie Canteen for more. Follow us for brand new episodes every Friday. See you next week.